بسم الله الحمد لله الصلاة والسلام على رسول الله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة الملك to سورة المرسلات Now I'm sure you can appreciate that as we come to the latter ajza of the Quran there are a lot of chapters in the previous juz there was nine chapters nine surahs of the Quran in this juz there are 11 surahs and in Juz Amma, there will be even more surahs. It's simply not possible to summarize all of these great surahs of the Qur'an in a simple short audio reminder like this. But since the beginning of our journey, all we've been doing is really just dipping into these surahs. And I hope these audio reminders are a motivation for you to carry out your own in-depth study. Surah Al-Mulk The Prophet ﷺ said a surah from the Qur'an containing 30 verses will intercede for a man so that he will be forgiven. It is Surah Tabarakalladhi Biyadihi Al-Mulk. In verse 2, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summarizes the essence of life as a test. Alladhi khalaqal mawta wal hayata liyabluwakum ayyukum ahsanu amala. The one who has created life and death, the one who has created death and life, that he may test which of you is best in deeds. The essence of life is a test to test us of the quality, not the quantity, but the quality of our good deeds. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have created us and immediately consigned us to hellfire and paradise according to his infinite knowledge of what we would have done. But those people consigned to the hellfire would have objected. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the drama of life to be played out while he is fully knowledgeable about what our decisions and actions will be. Life is simply a test and failure to come to terms with this can lead to delusional thinking, can lead to failure to come to terms with the reality of life, failure to make the most of your life. In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the mulk, the dominion around us to dis demonstrate the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse 3, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, الَّذِي خَلَقَ سَبْعَ سَمَاوَاتٍ طِبَاقًا مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَانِ مِنْ تَفَاوُدٍ فَرْجِعِ الْبَصْرَ هَلْ تَرَى مِنْ فُطُورٍ Who has created the seven heavens, one above another. You can see no fault in the creation of Ar-Rahman. Then look again. Can you see any rifts? Interestingly enough, in verse 10, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions what the people of hellfire will say. When they enter the hellfire and they are filled with regrets, they will say, وَقَالُوا لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُ مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ And they will say, had we but listened or used our aql, our intelligence, we would not have been among the dwellers of the blazing fire. SubhanAllah, they mention their regret at not listening. Of course, because listening is the first step to receiving a message. But critically, they blame themselves that they did not use their intellect. Intellect is often put forward as something negative, when in fact it's something totally positive. You will never find revelation contradicting, or you'll never find sound intellect contradicting revelation. Sound intelligence, sound intellect, will always be in line with revelation, wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where there is a contradiction, the, the, contra the problem lies either in your understanding of revelation or in your logic or your process of reasoning. Surah Al-Qalam 
The surah points to the importance and benefit of writing, as the scholars of tafsir mention. It starts off by describing the exquisite character of the Prophet ﷺ. Noon by the pen and by what they write, you by the grace of your Lord are not a madman, and verily for you will be an endless reward, and verily you are on an exalted character. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such great words of praise, praise the Prophet. In verse 10 to 14, the exquisite character of the Prophet is compared to the pagan leaders, their evil characteristics, and their rejection of the religion. In verse 9, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sets out a golden principle worth mentioning. They wish that you should compromise with them so that they too would compromise with you. This type of compromise which was offered to the Prophet ﷺ, where they offered to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for one year and in return the Muslims would worship the false idols for one year. This type of compromise in the fundamentals of Islam is not allowed at all. The main story of the Surah focuses on a group of farmers who set out early in the morning to harvest their crop but made a firm resolve as they set out that they will not give any of their produce to the poor. When they arrive, they find that their produce has been destroyed overnight and then they turn to each other, blaming each other. It's interesting that even in an early Makkan surah, Allah is explaining the key principles of akhlaq and good treatment of the poor. Perhaps people would say this is not from the fundamentals of religion, but from the earliest surahs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is emphasizing good treatment to the poor and the importance of charity. With regards to agricultural produce, the zakah given to the poor is actually 10%. It's important to understand that not all zakah is 2.5%. Agricultural produce is 10%. And it's supposed to be given on the day of harvest to the poor. Surah Haqqa. This is one of the surahs which turned the hair of the Prophet ﷺ white. The linguistic device which is used at the beginning of the surah is often found in surahs of the Quran to denote the tremendous significance of something. Al-Haqqa, Mal-Haqqa, Wa ma adraka Mal-Haqqa. The inevitable, meaning the day of resurrection. What is the inevitable and what will make you know what the inevitable is? The surah describes vivid scenes from the Day of Judgment where the natural world around us is torn to shreds and the angels are assembled in the hereafter for the reckoning and the book of deeds will be placed in the right hand for the righteous and in the left hand for the wicked. In verse 33, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a similar vein to Surah Al-Qalam compares not feeding the poor as disbelieving in him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ كَانَ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ الْعَظِيمِ وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ Verily, he used not to believe in Allah, the most great, and urged not the feeding of the poor. Subhanallah. The scholars of tafsir discuss that in essence, salvation is based on fulfilling the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fulfilling the rights of creation. And in these two verses, the rights of Allah are represented by ikhlas, 
being sincere to him and worshipping him alone. And the rights of creation are represented through good treatment of the poor and ihsan towards fellow human beings. You get the sense from this surah of a person being shocked into facing the reality of their life. The verses are very powerful, very dramatic. Surah Al-Ma'arij In verse 4, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تَعْرُجُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ وَالرُّوحُ إِلَيْهِ فِي يَوْمٍ كَانَ مِقْدَارُهُ خَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةِ The angels and the ruh ascend to him in a day, the measure whereof is 50,000 years. Just take a moment to reflect that a single day of the hereafter is worth 50,000 years of our counting. Little wonder that the people in the hereafter, when they question each other, how long were you in this world? Their answer will be a day or part of a day, perhaps a morning or an afternoon. That shows us the reality of our existence in this world. It's almost just passing moments compared to the long and enduring hereafter. From verse 11 to 14, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the sheer terror on the day that will be so overwhelming that a person would happily ransom themselves with their closest relatives. Though they shall be made to see one another, the Mujrimun would desire to ransom himself from themselves from the punishment of that day by their children and their wife and brothers and their kindred who sheltered them and all that are in the earth so it might save that person. SubhanAllah. Note how the Qur'an describes starting off with the closest of relatives, the most beloved, your child, then moving on to your wife, then your brother, then your relatives, and then the whole of humanity. The terror of that day will be so great, a person would be willing to ransom these relatives just to save themselves from the fire. There are descriptions of qualities of the believers very similar to Surah Al-Mu'minun, which we have mentioned before, which again start and end with salah salah the defining quality of the believer surah nuh surah nuh uh, nuh alayhi salam is one of the five messengers of great resolve ulul azmi min rusul along with the prophet sallallahu of course ibrahim musa isa and nuh alayhi salam these are the five greatest messengers he is the second forefather of humanity after the great flood, all survivors were from the progeny of Nuh He's mentioned around 50 times in the Qur'an and is described as calling his people to Islam for a staggering 950 years. In verse 23, they are described as people who, Nuh's people, are described uh, with their idolatry, how they used to worship these false gods. وَقَالُوا لَا تَذَرُنَّ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَلَا تَذَرُنَّ وَدَّوْ وَلَا سُوَاعًا وَلَا يَغُوثَ وَيَعُوقَ بَنَصْرًا And they have said, and they have said, You shall not leave your gods, nor shall you leave Wad, Suwa, Yaghuth, Ya'uq, and Nasr. These were the names of the, uh, of the idols which the people of Nuh alayhi salam 
used to worship. And it said they were the first people to introduce idolatry in amongst human beings. Before that, people were generally on the path of Tawheed, worshipping Allah SWT alone. What's interesting is how this idolatry came into being. They were righteous people from the ancestors of Nuh who passed away. And to remind themselves of their devotion to worship, they built statues to commemorate them. But as generations passed away and the places where these statues were became more venerated, more respected, generation after generation and the shaitan whispering in their ears, what started as mere commemoration turned to veneration and respect, which then turned to dua and worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but then finally turned to that dua and worship being directed towards the statues. So Nuh alayhi salam came to these very stubborn people. Now Nuh gives us a golden methodology of da'wah. He gives glad tidings. He speaks about the advantages of becoming a Muslim. Allah will send rain for you and make you prosperous. Something that we often don't do in our da'wah. Glad tidings and advantages of becoming a Muslim. He emphasizes Allah's greatness, which is uh, recognized through the natural world around us. And he warns people of the Day of Judgment. Now, subhanAllah, his patience is exemplary. He called his people to Islam for 950 years. And according to some scholars of tafsir, only 50 to 60 people accepted Islam. Yet his da'wah is relentless. He approaches them night and day. Night is usually a time for rest, but he's still calling them to Islam. He calls them openly and in private. And you find the opening uh, verses of this surah are a complaint from Nuh of how much effort he has expended, uh, he has given to these people and yet they have rejected him. He said, Oh my Lord, verily I've called to my people night and day, but all my calling added nothing but to their flight. And verily every time I called to them that you might forgive them, they thrust their fingers into their ears, covered themselves up with their garments and persisted in their refusal and magnified themselves in pride. SubhanAllah, imagine you're trying to talk to someone and they stick their fingers in their ears and they cover their own faces with their clothes. Then verily I called to them openly, then verily I proclaimed to them in public and I have appealed to them in private. He exhausted every means of da'wah possible. Importance of emphasizing that seeking Allah's forgiveness brings benefits in this world. That's an important note. فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا يُرْسِلِ السَّمَاعَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا وَيُمْدُدْكُمْ بِأَمْوَالٍ وَبَنِينَ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ أَنْهَارًا I said to them, ask forgiveness from your Lord. Verily, he is oft forgiving. He will send rain to you in abundance and give you increase in wealth and children and bestow on you gardens and bestow on you rivers. Subhanallah. All of this from istighfar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking his forgiveness, the blessings of that. Nuh is only one of two prophets in the Quran with Musa alayhi salam who made dua for the destruction of his people. And you can find that in 
the final verse Rabbi Gfili Wali Wali Deya Wali Mandakala Baitiya Mukmina Walil Mukminina Ul Mukminat Wala Tazidi Valimina Illa Tabara. My Lord forgive me and my parents and he who enters my home as a believer and all the believing men and women and to the Valimun grant you no increase in except in destruction. As we've mentioned before, the mission of the prophets is to save their people. So when a prophet makes dua for the destruction of their people, it only means one thing, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to those prophets that nobody else is now going to believe. And if nobody else is going to believe, all that's left is for the, the believers who remain to be continually persecuted and subjected to trial in their religion. And if nobody else is going to believe, that means the time's up for them and the mission of the prophets is over with regards to their people. So that is the only situation in which the prophets have made dua for the destruction of their people. Surah Al-Jinn Allah is presenting to the disbelievers from human beings that even this group of jinn, another species, simply overheard the Qur'an being recited in Salah from the Prophet and it was enough to convince them that this is the word of Allah subhanahu ta'ala and motivate them to go back to their people as warners. So what about these people who are hearing the Prophet ﷺ day after day and mocking him, insulting him and persecuting him and hearing surah after surah, verse after verse. These jinn just had to hear the Qur'an once. The surah also teaches us that Allah ﷻ never wastes the efforts of the believers. The Prophet ﷺ had come back from a de very difficult mission in Ta'if and none of them had accepted Islam. Instead, they had chased him out of Ta'if pelting him with stones until the Prophet ﷺ was injured and bleeding. And the Prophet ﷺ described this as the most difficult day, more difficult than even Uhud. But simply the Prophet ﷺ stopped off to pray and as he was praying, a large group of jinn surrounded him to listen to the Qur'an. And they were so convinced by the Qur'an, they went back to their people as warners. And the Prophet ﷺ was not even aware of this until later when they came to receive instruction in religion from the Prophet ﷺ. Allah never wastes the efforts of the believers. In verse 6, we learn an important principle where the jinn say, وَأَنَّهُ كَانَ رِجَالٌ مِّنَ الْإِنسِ يَعُوذُونَ بِرِجَالٍ مِّنَ الْجِنِّ فَزَادُوهُمْ رَهَقًا And verily there were men amongst mankind who took shelter with the males amongst the jinn, but the jinn increased them only in sin and transgression. It's very important to realize being terrified of jinn and obsessing yourself with the effects of jinn is something which the evil jinn love. They love for human beings to humble themselves before them. Why? Because the jinn always have this inferiority complex with this superior intellect that human beings have and the honor which was given to human beings. We can see this with Iblis and Adam. So when human beings humble themselves and fill themselves with fear of the jinn, this is something that excites the evil jinn and it's something we should avoid. We should know that our religion, the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ayatul kursi and all the different forms of ruqya are a strong protection against the evil jinn. In verse 18, you have a beautiful description of Tawheed, a practical description of Tawheed. And the mosques are for Allah, so do not invoke anyone along with Allah. Surah Muzammil For your da'wah to be effective in terms of your own sincerity, 
being patient with the harms of people, and standing firm in the face of incredible pressure, you need strong devotion to worship. And there's nothing that gives you more of a spiritual boost than Qiyam al-Layl. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off the surah, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, qumil layla illa qalila. O you wrapped in garments, stand to pray all night except a little. Nisfahu awinqus minhu qalila. Half of it or a little less than that. Or a little more and recite the Qur'an in a slow, melodious tone. Qiyam al-Layl was something, or tahajjud was something which was obligatory for the Prophet and this indicates how important it is. When the Prophet first came to Medina and gave his inaugural speech, he said some simple phrases, one of which was, and pray in the middle of the night when people are sleeping. The Qur'an is a heavy word and requires deep concentration. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 5, Verily we shall send down to you a weighty word. Verily, the rising by night is very hard and most potent and good for governing oneself and most suitable for understanding the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verily, verily, there is for you by day prolonged occupation with ordinary activities. In the day you're busy, in the night when you awaken fresh from sleep is the best time for understanding the kalam of Allah, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah Al-Muddathir there are many similarity, similarities between uh, Surah Al-Muzzammil and Muddathir, but Muzzammil seems to have a softer tone suitable to the whole subject of night prayer, whereas this Surah has a stronger, harsher tone. And in this Surah, the Prophet ﷺ is being commanded to arise and warn. يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرُ قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ وَالرُّجْزَ فَهْجُرْ O you enveloped in garments, arise and warn, and magnify your Lord, and purify your garments, and keep away from a rids. The surah is commanding the Prophet ﷺ to stand up and give dawah. Purifying the clothes seems to be something related, uh, a material command to actually physically purify your body and your clothes. But it's also a spiritual command to purify your actions from the filth of shirk. In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, consistent with this harsher tone, describes the hellfire and enumerates the angels that will be guarding the hellfire, 19 of them. These are angels who know no mercy. They do not understand any such thing as mercy. They are purely there to inflict the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the dwellers of hellfire. And in verse 42 to 47, the people of hellfire list their crimes where they say uh, when they are asked about why did you enter the hellfire ma salakakum fi saqar qalu lam nakun min al musallin wa lam nakun at'imu al miskin wa kunna nakhudu ma al khaidin wa kunna nukadhibu bi yawm al din hatta atana al yaqin When they are asked, what has caused you to enter the hellfire? They will say, we were not of those who used to offer salah. Note, the very first thing they say is we didn't used to pray. Nor did we used to feed the poor 
Again, that important principle of ihsan towards your fellow human beings. And we used to talk falsehood with vain talkers. We were loose with our tongues. And we used to deny the day of recompense until they came to us, the certainty which is death. SubhanAllah. Note how the people of Hellfire, when they're asked about why did they enter the Hellfire, they could have just said, because we're disbelievers, it's obvious. But instead they list their crimes. Their regret is so great. And their appreciation that somebody is asking them is so much that they give you the full list. It's the only relief they have in the hereafter is to uh, pour out their hearts that this is why we entered the hellfire. Subhanallah, such is their suffering in the hereafter. Surah Al-Qiyamah Umar radiallahu an said, Whoever asks about the resurrection or wants to know its reality, then let him read this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by the self-reproaching soul. لا أقسم بيوم القيامة ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة. I swear by the day of resurrection and I swear by the self-reproaching soul. There are three types of souls. The first is نفس المطمئنة, the peaceful, tranquil soul, full of iman. The third is the soul to be avoided and to seek refuge in نفس أمارتم بالسوء, the nafs which is always commanding to evil. And the one in between, which most of us fall into, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises in this surah, nafsul lawama, the self-reproaching soul, sometimes falling into sin, but always turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and regretting. And that regretting is a motivation for that person to improve and to keep away from sins in future and to do more good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability to resurrect us is so complete as mentioned and described in this surah. In verse 16, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَا تُحَرِّكْ بِهِ لِسَانَكَ لِتَعْجَلَ بِهِ Move not your tongue concerning the Qur'an to make haste therewith. The scholars of Tafsir say there is an important principle about teaching and learning in this, uh, in this verse. The student should let their teacher finish before interrupting with questions and difficulties. The Prophet ﷺ was so eager to memorize and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning the Prophet ﷺ that not to be hasty. When you have a teacher, don't be hasty to interrupt with questions and things you find difficult. Let that teacher finish. In verse 17, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, describes himself as the one who is protecting this revelation including the order of the surahs, which is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah Al-Insan, human beings are told to look at their humble origins. Has there not been over a man a period of time when he was not a thing worth mentioning? Verily, we have created man from nutfa, drops of mixed semen, in order to try him, so we made him hearer and seer. To humble us, describing a quite despicable origin and simple origin. The Prophet ﷺ used to recite this surah in the Friday prayer, along with surah as-sajda. In verse 8 and 9, there is a very important methodology to giving sadaqah mentioned. وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا and they give food in spite of their love for it to the miskin, the orphan, 
and the captive. And they say, we feed you not seeking Allah's, we feed you only seeking Allah's pleasure, seeking Allah's countenance. We wish no reward nor thanks from you. Verily, we free, fear from our Lord a day hard and distressful that will make the faces look horrible. This is not something you literally say, but it's a motive, a methodology of giving sadaqah, that you don't look for anything in return from the poor people that you have given. Surah Al-Mursalat. It contains vivid descriptions of the hereafter and hellfire in particular, verse 29 to 33. In verse 43, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions something important which is worth talking about. Eat and drink comfortably for that which you used to do. Now the Prophet ﷺ said, Be deliberate in worship, draw near to Allah and give glad tidings. Verily, none of you will enter paradise because of his deeds alone. They said, Not even you, O Messenger of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Not even me, unless Allah grants me mercy from himself. N Know that the most beloved deeds to Allah is the one that is done regularly, even if it is small. So how comes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here that eat and drink, uh, enter paradise and eat and drink because of what you used to do? Well, we have to understand that entry to Jannah is from the fadl and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of our deeds will qualify us to go to Jannah. It's only the mercy and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which will enter us into Jannah. But once you enter Jannah, your station and your level will be dependent on the deeds which you used to do in this world. So we should excel to our maximum and exert every effort because our status in Jannah will be dependent on the good deeds that we do in this world. Hada wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.